Y'all turn to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Last Sunday night we talked about the armor of God. And we went through and discussed and talked about each piece of this armor and how it can be best applied to our life today. And I want to pick up in verse 18 of chapter 6 where it starts talking about prayer. Before we get started, let's just go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Father, we thank You for this time we've already shared today. Lord, we just ask that once again, Lord, that You would honor us with Your presence, that You would just let Your anointing rest upon me today, Lord, that I could speak as I ought to speak, Lord, and say the things I ought to say. And Lord, help me get myself out of the way as much trouble sometimes as that is, Lord. I just submit to You right now and ask that You would do the speaking for me, that You would let, let Your Word go forth and not mine. And Lord, I just ask that You would just bless this Word today and begin to work in the lives of those that are here to receive it right now. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication <clears throat> in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, like I said, we talked about the armor of God. But I want y'all to see today, and you know, those of you that were here to hear that message, you, you kind of know more, you kind of have a leg up on everybody else. But most of you have heard of the armor of God before, and you understand that that is our, our source of offense and defense in our spiritual battles. But I want you to see today that none of that means anything if you leave out verse 18. Because you can be the most well-equipped soldier in the army of God, but if you leave out prayer, you've just, you're just standing there waiting. You see, prayer is, is your lifeline. Prayer is the way you find out your directives from, from your commander-in-chief, so to speak. Prayer is your only form of communication with God. And let's look at this verse again. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Now, have y'all ever found yourself in a situation where you pray and you ask God to answer a prayer, or to meet some sort of need, or to help you in some kind of way, and you just feel like, Nothing happens. And you go on. Well, it may be that you have gotten to a place in your life where I found myself many times where I've become lazy in my prayer life. And what does that mean? You know, it's real easy to say a little prayer and say, God help me in this. And then never think nothing else about it. You know, I pray all the time. I, I ask God to do this or do that. But let me explain something to you about that word supplication that's in there. You see, that word supplication talks about the type of prayer that, that doesn't just pray one time and, and let it go. Supplication is the kind of prayer... and You know, I think there's some certain conditions that brings you to this point where you can pray... In supplication, like it's talking about. And I think, you know, sometimes you have to 
get to a point of, of despair even sometimes. Where you have no other hope. And you pray and you say, God, if you don't do it, it ain't going to happen. God, I need some help. And you go back to God and you say, God, I need you to do something here. And you go back to God and you say, God, something has got to change. You see, that's supplication. When you just continuously go to God in prayer and you wait until you get an answer. You know, sometimes we don't wait on God to answer. We'll pray and say, God, I need you to do this or that. And then we go on with our life. But waiting on that answer, staying in contact with God and going back to Him over and over until you see something change is what supplication is about. And you see, that ties in with the armor of God in a very special way because the armor of God talks about all these forms of defense. And it talks about our one form of offense, which is the sword of the Spirit or the Word of God. But you see, you take a soldier and equip them and put them out there by themselves, and they're just going to die like that. You see, there has to be communication with the higher-ups, those that have the plan of attack and the way that they need to move and the things they need to avoid. You see, there's got to be this communication. When we go to God and ask Him for guidance in our life, we've got to wait on the answer. You don't go to God and say, God, show me what to do, and then you just go do what you want to do anyway. You can't ask God to bless your efforts when you're doing what you want to do. You know, maybe it ain't every prayer that you pray that you have to pray like this. But there's, I guarantee you, you've had a time in your life when, man, I've had times that I've had to pray I just say, God, I don't know what to do. This is serious. I mean, I'm not talking about I don't know what to eat tomorrow or I don't know, you know, what bill I ought to pay this week. I'm talking serious things. And you know, Brother Earl might be in that situation right now where he's just at the point where all hope is lost according to man. But you go to God in prayer and you say, God, if some, if you don't do something, there ain't nothing going to be done. You see, when, when the doctors tell you something bad, and that's just the way it is, and you're going to die, what other hope is there? You see, in the world, the doctors is all you have. They're the only ones that know what to do to fix your problem. But see, we have a higher power. And through prayer and supplication, you go to God and you say, God, I need your help. And you don't hear nothing. Is that your answer? No. You go back to God and you say, God, I need your help. And you don't hear nothing. You go back again. Listen. God is the kind of God. And I want y'all to understand something about how He deals with His children. Number one, He cares about His children. 
How many of y'all consider yourself a child of God today? He cares about your well-being. He, he has provision for you. He has planned how He wants you to, to prosper in your life. I'm not talking financially. Let's just get that out of the picture right now. So, it's not wrong of you to go to God and ask Him for something over and over and over until you get an answer. Now, if you get an answer and the answer is no, well, that's your answer. But you know what? It don't hurt to go back and ask again. <laughs> and look, I'm not trying to tell you all today you can strong arm God and make Him do what you want Him to do. But you know, I know something about being a parent. Not as much as some of you, but I've been one for nine years. And you know, sometimes my first answer is no. And my tenth answer is no. But about the fifteenth time, I get wore down. And I say, fine, go ahead. And leave me alone. Now, you know, you don't think that's the attitude you ought to have with God, is it? But I'm going to give you all some examples of that today. I want you to understand that God is your Father. And there ain't much difference between our Heavenly Father and your earthly Father. Other than He's perfect. His love is perfect. His judgment is just. So I want you to understand that your Heavenly Father cares about you and sometimes will give you the desires of your heart, even if it ain't His will. Now, you see, we've got to be in the right frame of mind. We need to be praying that, we, that God's will would be accomplished in our life. But listen, when you're at the point of despair, and you need somebody to do something in your life to make a change, I'm not worried about what God's will is. Listen, when it's a life or death situation, I know what God's will is. I don't have to pray, Oh God, let your will be done. You see, I know what God's will is. That's not up for argument right now. I'm not talking about, God, should I buy this car? Or God, should I do this? That's not the kind of stuff we're addressing right now. Obviously, you need to pray for God's will in that situation so that you would understand His guidance and what would be best for your life. But I'm talking about where you know what would be best and you're saying, God, I need some help. I need you to move and do something in this situation. You know, there's, there's Scripture that will explain this to you better than I could ever do it myself. And I want to share that with you today. <clears throat> Turn to Luke chapter 18. There's another word that's used here I want to define for you. It's importunity. And that's pressing solicitation. Urgent request. Application for a claim or favor which is urged with troublesome frequency or pertinency. Troublesome frequency. I like that. See, when my kids come to me and say, Daddy, can, can I do this? Daddy, 
Daddy, can I do this? About the 10th or 15th time, it becomes troublesome. And it's very frequent. You understand what that means now? Importunity. That's what it's talking about. It's talking about going and saying, God, I need help. God, will you help me? God, will you move in my life? God, will you do something for me? God, can I just see something from you? God, will you speak to me? Will you tell me something? God, do something right now because something has got to change. That's importunity. You know that old saying, the squeaky wheel gets the oil? You see, I never thought I could deal with God like that. I didn't understand that this is scriptural. Luke 18, chapter 18, verse 1. And He spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge, which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city, and she came unto Him, saying, Avenge me of mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. Shall not God avenge His own elect, which cry day and night unto Him, though He bear long with them? I tell you that He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall He find faith on the earth. So you see, Jesus is equating this unjust judge that didn't care anything about God, didn't hold any regard to any man. He just did what He wanted to do and didn't care what anybody thought about it. See, He's comparing God to this man. Now, what is the, what's the thing here that really ties this together? You see, if this unjust man would turn and say, okay, I'm going to help you because he just got so tired of hearing about her. Look, I don't, just quit coming to me. And she'd come back. Look, you need to do something about this. I was treated wrong. You need to fix this. And she just keep coming back to him and keep coming back to him. Finally, this guy that didn't care what anybody thought said, fine, I'll fix it. Just so you'll leave me alone. How does that compare to God? You see, God cares a whole lot more about you than this man cared about that woman. So, all the much quicker you go to God in prayer. And you go to God in prayer. And you go to God in prayer. He's going to say, this must be important. Since I love my children, I'm going to take care of him. Because I love him and I care about him, I'm going to take care of this situation in his life. You see, sometimes you just got to pray and pray and pray and pray until you get an answer. Until you see something done. Until something is changed. Now, you know, I don't have all the answers. I don't understand sometimes why you see little children die. I don't understand sometimes why the people you pray for and you've prayed diligently, why they still leave this earth. I don't have those answers. But I know what this Word says. 
That's all I have to stand on. That's all I can believe in is what it tells me. And it tells me that if I keep praying, and I keep praying, and I go back to God again, and I keep going, and I'm persevering, and I'm I'm desperate because He's the only one that can do it. He'll move. And He says He'll do it speedily. You know, they don't put those words in there for nothing. You think they just put speedily in there to make you go on and move on to the next Scripture? No. There's a reason why that word's there. Because that's how God moves. When He does something, it's done. Let me read you another one, if that one didn't sink it in. Isaiah 62, 6 and 7. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace day or night. Ye that make mention of the Lord, keep not silence, and give Him no rest, till He establish, until He make Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Now why would they be praying that? Because it's a promise from God. And what does He tell them to do? He said, get up there and pray, and don't give Him no rest until He fulfills what He said He would do. That don't seem like the way you ought to deal with the Almighty God, is it? You know, I was always taught to fear God. And I was taught when I pray to go to Him and say, God, God, if You would would just do this, you know, I'd appreciate it. That's how I was taught to pray, to just go to God as humbly as I knew how. And I believe that. But these people are saying, don't give Him no rest. Just keep praying until He does what He said He's going to do. Now how can you make those two work together? How do you reconcile that? On one hand, you're supposed to pray as humbly as you can because He is the Creator of the universe after all. And then on the other hand, you're supposed to Holding to His Word and make Him do it. Well, number one, you ain't making Him do anything. But, here's the thing. It's His Word. You see, God honors His Word. His Word is as good as gold, as the old saying is. His Word is when it's a promise from God and He says, this is what I'm going to do, you can believe it. And you can hold Him to it. Why? Why? You know, if somebody tries to hold me to my word, they may be sadly disappointed because I'm not perfect. If I promise you, if I told Sam, All right, Sam, I'm going to help you out with your expenses on your boat and I'm going to give you $100 a week. And I do that for a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden, Sam quits getting $100 in the mailbox. He's going to say, well, Kevin, you said you was going to Give me $100 a week. Why ain't I been getting my money? And what, is I, what am I going to say? Well, Sam, you know things are kind of tight. I just don't have it right now, man. Soon as soon as we get back on our feet, I'll, I'll start giving you $100 a week again. But see, that ain't how God is. God's riches are immeasurable. You see, He answers your prayer according to His riches and glory. It's not according to what you understand about His riches. It's not according to your riches. 
It's not according to man's riches or all the world's riches. It's according to His riches and glory. So that's why you can hold God to His Word because He doesn't have a problem fulfilling your need. Why does He deal with us like that? Why don't He just answer our prayer the first time? You know why? Because we'd get this attitude of God being an ATM. You go put the card in and get the money out. You see, that's not how God works. That's not how He wants us to feel about Him. That's not how He wants to deal with us. He wants us to come to Him in prayer. And you know, I've noticed sometimes the times I have to pray like this is because my prayer life has stunk for the past six months. And all of a sudden, God wants to back off a little bit and say, all right, what are you going to do? Are you going to lean on your own understanding? Are you going to turn around and realize the error in your ways and look to me? Oh, you're going to come back now and ask, huh? Well, let's just see. We'll see what's going to happen. We'll see what you're going to do. Are you going to pray one time and then go back and do what you want to do? Are you really going to be serious this time and come to me for your provision? You see, God's not stupid. The Word tells us that God is not mocked. He understands what you're thinking. He knows the intent of your heart. And when you come to Him half-heartedly, saying, God, I want You to show me what to do. I need some help. But then you go on and do what you want to do anyway. See, He knows you're going to do that. That's why He didn't answer your prayer to start with. He knew where your heart was and it wasn't with Him. You know why I can tell you this kind of thing today? Because I have lived it. You see, I don't get up here and preach any kind of condemnation to you or conviction that I haven't already felt myself. And I know how it is when I get to that place where I've been just putting God off. Putting Him on the back burner. Oh God, I'll get back to you later. God, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, okay, blah, blah, blah. You know, i got things to do. Oh man, it's already 9.30 again. I'll just read tomorrow night. I know God, I need to read. I need to pray. I just had a long day. How many times do we do that to God? You know why He's so easy to put off? Because He's always there when we go back to Him. And ain't that terrible? Ain't that a terrible way to treat the, the, our ultimate Father? I mean, the one that just cares for us and loves us so much. And we'll just push Him off. Because it's something more pressing. See, God don't press. He don't force Himself on you. Everything else might. All the things that go on in our life, all these other things we've set as priority, but God will just kind of back off. He'll let you do it. Fasting. Fasting is something else that will strengthen our prayer. I don't know how many of you here today have ever fasted. I haven't done it much. Not nearly enough, probably, as you can look at me and tell. But I want you all to know that every time I had such a major decision or or some life-changing circumstances, somebody I was praying for, whatever, every time 
I have taken the time to fast, even if it's only from one meal. I've seen things happen in my prayer. You know, there's something about putting the flesh off for a while. You see, this, this, this carnal man gets fed all the time. And, what, and it may not just be food, I'm talking everything. The carnal man's always getting the mother load. He's got a big head start on the spiritual man. You know, when I was saved, I was a new creation. I was born again. That's not just a saying, it has meaning. I started a new life that day. But that carnal man already had a big head start. So it takes a whole lot of whipping and beating and pushing to get him out of the way. He's strong. But fasting <clears throat> puts the flesh in subjection. Fasting is when the spiritual man says, I ain't got time for you right now, carnal man. Natural man, natural desires. Right now, I've got to keep this line of communication between me and my father open. I guarantee you, you start to fast and pray with supplication, you're going to see change happen. You're going to see God answer prayer. You're going to see Him move in your life. Why? Because that's what the Word says. And when the Word says that that's what will change, that's what will make it happen, that's what you need to do. You see, fasting is not just some ritualistic thing. I honestly believe. I mean, there's nothing you could say to change my mind that fasting will bring about a different kind of prayer life in you that you've never seen before. And you know, the times that I've done it, I didn't even really spend that much more time praying than I was before I started. It's just adding to it though. It's, it's put, getting that flesh out of the way and saying, look, I'm about God's business right now. God, I want to just, I want to get everything else away. I want you to understand something about your flesh. When you are feeding your flesh all the time, you get complacent. And think about this. Think about some time back in your life when, when you maybe had to go 12 or 14 hours or so without eating. What was the only thing you could think of? Getting something to eat. Feeding that need that you had for, for food. There's a little bit different attitude about you when you hadn't had something to eat for a while, isn't it? There's a sense of urgency. I need something to eat. I'm getting weak and shaky. You know how you, know how you feel? You see, when you're eating all the time, how do you feel? Well, you, you just, I'm fine, you know. Yeah, it's about time to eat again, yeah. You see, when you're that complacent, when you're at that level where there's no need... That affects your prayer life. That affects your attitude because you're not feeling this, this, this need in you anymore. You know, even though you may see problems in your life, 
because your needs are being met physically, there's not the same level of desperation. I know that don't really make much sense, really, until you're in that place and you, you feel what I'm talking about. But you get there and you, you decide, okay, God, I don't understand what this fasting's all about, but I'm going to do it because that's what Your Word says. See, you don't have to understand everything God wants you to do. You, you don't have to be able to put it into words. Just do it because you're obedient. And you'll start to see things happen because that's God's Word. 